Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. We are excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. Just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you have access to other resources, information about who we are and where we're going as a church, as well as an opportunity to give to what God is doing here. Once again, thanks for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. Well, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Amen. Can you believe it's already 2016? Y'all out there? I'm not going to give you many chances to respond, so you got to take what you get. 2016. Seems like just yesterday we were celebrating January 1st, 2015, huh? You know, uh, time's like that, though. It goes fast. Uh, the older I get, I've, I've always heard older people say this. Now that I'm getting a little older, too, I, I think it's becoming uh, something that I believe, too. Man, the older you get, the faster it goes. And uh, right now, we're celebrating 2016. I'm telling you, it'll go by like that, and it'll be 2017. And so, uh, I know this, time is fleeting. It's fast. In fact, James says in James chapter 4 that it's like a vapor. I realize we're in Vegas, and so there's not much vapor that comes out of our mouth here. But for those of you who haven't lived here all your life, you understand what that means, how quickly it can leave. Uh, and that's what life is like. That's what time is like. You know, when I was a boy, summers were like a vapor. Can I get an amen? May, listen, in May, you're out. You, woo, three months, we're going to be out of school. And we're gonna, it seemed like three days. When I was little, too, I would await special days like birthday and Christmas, you know, for the gifts, obviously, and the partying and the, the fun that we were going to have. But it seemed like it just came and went so fast. And life is like that. Time is like that. The time that we have here on earth is like that. Now it's fleeting. I don't have as much time even on earth as I did 15 seconds ago. What are we going to do with the time that we have? So today, we're going to look together at the subject of time, and we're going to look at it from the perspective of life and the time that we have on this earth and a lot of looking ahead for the next 363 days. Because this year's leap year. We get an extra day. Y'all happy about that, or does that make you sad? So the same money you had last year, you got to have an extra day with it. Sorry. That's just how it, that's how it goes. I can safely say that Here's probably the one thing that all of us, no matter where we come from, the background that we have, what we've dealt with this last year, what we're going to deal with, that we all have thought about, and Pastor Travis even brought it up during our welcome time as well, about a new year, and that's self-introspection. We kind of look back and what's life going to be like, or what, what did I do, and, but what will I do differently? What will I do differently in 2016? What would I like to accomplish this year? Will I lose any weight? And yes, I will. Again, <laughs> will I serve more? Will I give more? Will I listen more? Will I work to have better relationships? What will I do that I shouldn't have done? What will I, excuse me, what will I not do this year that I shouldn't have done last year? And what will I do that I didn't do so well at last year? These are just some of the questions that I, I hope we're asking. And these are good. These are healthy. These are right questions. But we don't know the answer to what will happen this year. Only God does. 
And so I want to kind of set the stage for that because what I want to talk about in the next 30 minutes is just that. We don't know what's going to happen, but God does. All we have is time. You know, American, the average American spends 32% of their time sleeping. Praise the Lord. Some more than that. Get up. Do something. <laughs> That's a lot. 37% working. 10% on leisure and sports. For some of you, it's 30% on sports. Watching it at least. 4% responsibilities at home. 4% eating. Some more than that. 5% caring for others. Maybe we should do more of that. And 7% on miscellaneous. All kinds of stuff you could put in that category. But now think about life or time through the filter of stewardship. Of God has given you so many hours of the day. What are you going to do with them? He's given you so many minutes. He's given you so many seconds. Here's what we know. There's 60 seconds in a minute. That will never change. There are... It's sad, i got to look at my notes. 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day, 7 days in a week, 52 weeks in a year. That will never change. You can't subtract from it. You can't add to it except for every 4 years you get an extra day. This year. To put it into an understandable American perspective, you can use your time to make money, but you cannot use your money to make more time. Time is set. You can't make more out of a day than 24 hours. Chuck Swindoll once gave an illustration. I'm going to read that illustration to you because it's a beautiful picture of what I'm going to try to explain to you today. He said, let's pretend that your banker phoned you last Friday and said that he had some very good news. He told you that an anonymous donor who loves you very much has decided that he would deposit 86,400 pennies into your account each morning. Starting this following Monday. Now, for those of you who are trying to figure that out, that's $864 per day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. He added this, though. He said, there's, a, there's one stipulation. you got to spend all the money the same day that you get it. $864, and you're like, well, I wish I had that opportunity. I believe I can work that out you got to spend it all on the same day. No balance can be carried over from one day to the next. Each evening, the bank must cancel whatever sum you fail to spend. With a big smile, you thank your banker, you hang up the phone, and over the weekend, you make the plans. You get out the pencil, you get out the paper, and you begin to write how I'm going to spend this $864 every single day. Well, $864 equals $6,000 per week, which comes out close to $315,000 per year for doing nothing. Y'all get, you can handle that, right? Some people are trying it now. It's just not working like that. $315,000 that is available to you for this next year if you're diligent to spend it all each and every day. Remember, though, whatever you don't spend is going to be forfeited. Man, how nice would that be? That's a dream scenario, he said. But let's now think about something similar in each of our lives. Every morning, you listening? Every day, somebody who loves you very much gives you 86000 
400 seconds every single day. Which represents 1,440 minutes, which of course equals 24 hours in a day. Remember that the same stipulation applies that applied with the money. Because God gives each of us this amount of time to us, to use each and every single day. There's no such thing as a 26-hour day. From today's dawn until tomorrow's dawn, you have a precisely predetermined amount of time. As someone has said, life is like a coin. You can spend it any way you want, but you, but you can spend it only one time. The truth is while every human doesn't have the same amount of money, what every human does have is the exact same amount of time in a day. In that area, we are all the same. We all have the same amount of time. How we spend each second of every day is up to each of us individually. So how will you spend it? I can spend my time on anything or everything I want this year, but if I miss the point that God is aware of and in control of everything, then I miss what He has for me, and I'm going to miss what He wants to do through me. Because this year, no matter how well I plan, there are going to be things that happen that will be unexpected and unanticipated. But if you had it, how would you plan it? How much time do we waste? How much time do we look past? How much time do we do, do, spend doing things that are never going to matter? How much time do we spend on the urgent and not the important? Turn with me if you have your Bible. If you don't, look at it on the screen. When I say it, you're probably going to look on the screen anyway. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. That's supposed to be a joke, but turn there. It's a tough crowd. Y'all awake? Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It's been a tough new year for, for you, I guess, right? Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Let me read that for you today. It should be on the screen. The Bible says there's an, there is an appointed time for everything. And there is a time for every event under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot what's planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. A time to search and a time to give up as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear apart and a time to sew together. A time to be silent and a time to speak. There's a time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. And I know what some of you are thinking. Wasn't there a song from the 60s by the birds by that? A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plan, a time to read, a time to kill, a time to And you would be correct. The only problem is the birds didn't write it. God did. We can sing the song, but God came up with why he wrote why he wrote. And it was for us. It was to remind us. Of something that we're going to talk about today. Now, let me give you a little background before I, it, it, before I talk about these eight verses. The truth is, is it's hard to talk about any one paragraph in the book of Ecclesiastes without giving you some background and about talking about all of it to some extent. So I want to give you some background today on what the book of Ecclesiastes is about and who wrote it. The man who wrote this book was a man named Solomon. He was the third king of Israel. He was David's son. 
He was also known as possibly the wisest man who ever lived. He actually created the government that Israel would use. He built the temple that David had longed to build. But he was a great writer as well. This is a very intelligent man, this man Solomon. He wrote 3,000 proverbs and more than 1,000 songs. The only other person who's written that many is Teddy. He's written 1,000 songs. He wrote the majority of, a, of the book of Proverbs. He wrote this book of Ecclesiastes. He wrote the book of Song of Solomon. And he even wrote a couple of Psalms, uh, Psalm 72 and Psalm 127. Solomon, though, had his dark side. Solomon was not just a great man or a wise man. He, 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 he wasn't just a king of Israel. He, this dark side, one of the things he did was he, was he taxed the people more than any other king had ever taxed the people in Israel. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines or mistresses. Yeah, I said that right. 700. You're doing the math right now, aren't you? How'd that happen? A thousand women that he called his own, 700 wives. He also accommodated whatever religious preference they had. He would even set up pagan shrines to whatever they worshipped. Now this guy was Jewish, but he would set up whatever they worshipped. And he would worship that too. In fact, Ecclesiastes may have been written, this whole book may have just been written as a way of explaining that he had finally realized the wrong decisions he had made in his life were sin and opposite of God's design for him and for humans in general. You say, Tom, why does that matter? Why do I go to the background of Solomon and, and, and how great he was, but then the dark side that he had? Here's why I wanted us to look at it. Because Solomon was at the end of his life when he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. Not the beginning. I want you to think about this. For those of you who are farther down the road than some of us, and I'm farther down the road than a lot of you. I know this baby face and boyish figures giving you problems. I'm 47. I know, for some of you, like, that's young. For some of you, you think I'm ancient. The farther down in life you get, the more you look back and go, what was I thinking? What did I not do? What should I have done? That's what Solomon's doing. He's at the end of his life, and he's basically writing a book that he should have entitled, Uh-oh. Tommy Nelson says this. He says the first two chapters of Ecclesiastes, if you go read it, and I I encourage you to do that, before he writes the passage I just read, he said the first two chapters are a critique of life under the sun, but notice that there is something not mentioned. And do you know what's not mentioned? God. There's a lot of stuff that he said. He said, I had this, I had that, I did this, I did that. But never once... Does he mention God who allowed it? Man without God is a failing proposition. You may think you're being successful without him, but you're not. All other things on earth have no problem recognizing God, but man does. The animals, the plants, earth itself have no problem understanding that there's a creator who created them and sustains them. Solomon looks back and basically says, how I use my time on earth was up to this point not wise. He uses the term vanity, which means 
the quality of being worthless, of being futile, and he uses it over and over and over. He keeps saying, vanity of vanities, the things that I went for, the things that I looked at, the things I did. I did a lot. I got a lot of wisdom. I got a lot of knowledge. I'm richer. I'm more powerful than any king before me. I own so much stuff. I have so many servants. More than all on earth. But I did it wrong. Go read the book. I did it wrong. Everything I worked for is going away. Someone else will own it all. All these things in verses 2 through 8 of my poem of my poem are going to happen. There's a time for everything. I ran ahead though. I made things happen. I amassed stuff for myself. I slept with any woman I pleased. I had whatever I wanted. The thing I left out was God. That's what the whole book's about. Does that describe you in any way, though? That last phrase? The thing I left out was God? Wouldn't it be sad to get to the end of your life and to say that? And listen, I've had people say that to me. Get to the end of your life and go, it was all for nothing. This word vanity is a picture of running on a treadmill. You know how when you get on a treadmill, you, like you're running fast and you're going the distance and it's saying mile, two miles and, you know, 85,000 calories burned or whatever it says, you know. But you're still in the same spot as you were an hour ago. That's vanity. Vanity is getting on that treadmill and believing you're going somewhere and you're going nowhere. He gets to the end of his life and he says, I've gone nowhere. Because he left God out. Some of you in the room today would say, I'm a Jesus follower, Tom, and I've, just, I've literally left him out. Some of you would say, I'm not a Jesus follower, I'm not a Christian, and I, I, to be honest, not sure that I want to be. I don't know that I need God in my life. Some of you would say, I am a Jesus follower, but I don't really need God to run my life. Well, no matter what we say, no matter where we are in our spiritual journey, the truth is maybe our life is a lot like Solomon if we look at it clean and clearly enough. It seems that Solomon in Ecclesiastes wishes he would have figured out the problem, what the problem was before the end of his life. I think that's every person in the room. When we look back, we want to do it differently. We want to have a great life here on earth. We want our life to matter. Amen? So here he looks back and basically says, I missed a lot of my life. And none of us want to do that. Listen, it's a new year, but I'll tell you what, this new year will look just like the old year unless you make some changes. Unless you decide, I don't want to be the person that I was and allow God to work in and through you. Have you handled your own life? Have you allowed God to influence you at all? No matter who we are, no matter where we are in our spiritual journey, I want to talk about two things today that I believe will help all of us. If we can grasp these things. Here are the two things. The first thing is circumstances will take place in our lives in 2016. I know that's deep. Something's going to happen this year in your life, Jerry. I don't know what. I don't know what's going to happen to me this year, but here's what we can bank on. Whether it's good or whether it's bad, whether it's difficult or whether it's easy, things are going to happen. Amen? It's going to happen. The second thing, though, I want to talk about is as these things do take place in our lives, how we handle them is what makes the difference in our lives. Things are definitely going to happen. What are they? I don't know. <laughs> Remember what I said, only God does. 
But because we know him, how we handle them or how we take them in can make the difference in our lives. So let's look at them real quickly. The first thing, circumstances will take place in our lives in 2016. Circumstance, call it what you want. Situations, events, things will happen in 2016. Solomon, who was known as the wisest man alive and one of the wisest men who had ever lived, wrote verse 1. Look what he said. There's an appointed time for everything, and there's a time for every event under heaven. The good? Yes. The bad? Yes. The ugly? Yes. There's a time for everything. This word appointed doesn't necessarily mean season, or, uh, but what it does mean is that there's a start and a finish. There's a start and a finish. Like, things are just going to happen in life. Events happen in life. They begin, they end, but they do happen. And, because we know that's true, we shouldn't be caught off guard that they do. Good, bad, ugly. We can be ready. See, here's the truth. In human life, there's a time for everything. That's what God said. Not that the time is necessarily good or bad, but that it just is. It just is. Our lives are going to be over before we know it. This year is going to be gone. And how we handled what God threw at us in this year or allowed to happen in our lives, it just is. You know, if, if you've been here very long, I hate to go back to my eighth grade basketball story of not making the team. Eighth grade, yeah. I should have made it. I was better than half the team, of course. That was a time in my life. That was just something that didn't work out. I mean, there was a day that I got married, but that day started and then it ended that day. Like, I, I don't get married every day. I'm still married. There's a time my kids are born, and there's a time when I've lost people in my life that I've loved, my grandparents, my cousin, my aunt. Things simply happen in life, don't they? And I'm telling you, if you would have told me I wasn't going to make the team that day, I would have said, no way. I didn't know. If you would have told me that I was going to marry Crystal uh, back 24 years ago now, I would have said, I don't even know who she is. We didn't grow up in the same town. I didn't know what was going to happen in those years when I met her. I didn't know my grandparents were going to pass away, that my cousin was going to be murdered. I didn't, I didn't know all that stuff. But things happen. You say, I'm going to stop them. How are you going to stop them if you don't know they're going to happen? Verse 1 isn't a statement of theology or as the providence or sovereignty of God as much as it merely is, and here's what Garrett said, an observation on human life in the human world. Let's face it, here's what happens in the human world, right? All of us as, as human beings can look at this list and go, yep, 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 yep. That's, that's what happens, that's what happens, that's what happens. L.D. Johnson said, here's a clear statement on the inevitability. Think about this, the inevitability of life. It's inevitable. Human life seems sometimes like a pendulum. We go from one extreme to the other very quickly, but, sure, but for sure in life itself, from beginning to end, it's going to happen. Our lives are, are, are lived going between the back and forth, between the opposites of life. The good, the bad. He lists these things here for us. Look what he lists. In verse 2 he says, there's a time to give birth and a time to die. How opposite could those be? I remember the day all of my kids were born. I was standing right there. I, I saw each one for the first time. I saw the little eyes open. But I've also been, 
at, at places where people have died before my eyes as well. It looks totally different. We're all going to die. Obviously, we're all born. Do I got to explain that? But we're all going to die. I know there's going to be a generation when Jesus comes back that's not going to. And I hope that's us, but let's just be honest. He hadn't come back yet. We could die. There's a time for these things. He says there's a time to plant. There's a time to uproot what's planted. Here, this, in, in this second part of that one verse in verse 2, it's, he's basically trying to say the same thing twice. He does the same thing in verse 3. He said there's a time to kill and a time to heal. This word kill actually could be better translated. There's a time to suffer or to be in pain or to be sick. Anybody here got an amen on that one? I'm not talking about our stuffy noses either. I'm talking about people in our service today who are suffering with a terminal illness. I'm talking about people who are sick, sick unto death. Listen, those, the Bible says there's a time for those things. They just happen. It's the inevitability of life. I'm telling you, our hospitals are filled right now. But then he says there's a time for healing. Man, there have been people in our services who, who tell you, man, I got healed. I don't know how else to describe it. God said there's a time for us to be sick, but there's a time to heal. He said there's a time to tear down and a time to build up. We're talking about relationships, maybe. There's a time for relationship building, but also realize that some relationships should end. Now listen, before you sit here and you think, oh my gosh, Pastor Tom's giving the okay to let go of my spouse. No. It's not what I'm saying. But there are some of you who have relationships with people that it's okay to let go. Your spouse isn't one of them. You've committed that. You're one now. But it's time to let go of others. And that's okay. But it's also time to build up. Some of you are not in a group. You need to be in a group. You need some friends. You need some close friends, some close spiritual friends. He said there's in verse 4, there's a time to weep and a time to laugh. Listen, there's a time we should cry. But there's also a time to laugh. One of the things I like to do in my sermons to keep you awake is say something funny. Half of you nodding off. I hope you're not crying. But there is a time, amen? And he says there's a time to mourn and a time to dance. Footloose didn't come up with that. God did. Some people are going to go to funerals and memorials and they're going to mourn and they're going to weep. But then other times we're going to go to weddings and we're going to dance. That's good. In verse 5, he says, there's a time to throw stones and a time to gather them. Now, commentators differ here, and, and, uh, and, and many say that this has to do with agriculture and picking the stones out of the field and, and moving them. But a lot of the commentators actually say this has to do with marital sexual relations. Because the end of that, the, the second part of, of verse 5 says there's a time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. In other words, there's a time to be affectionate with people, and there's also a time to have difficult conversations with people. It's okay to, to challenge those that you love when you're in the right spirit. It, it, it's just, it just happens. Listen, I, I get challenged, not just by my wife, but by some of you. It's okay. There's a time for that. There's a time to do these things. He goes on to verse 6. He says there's a time to search and a time to give up what's lost. Excuse give up as lost. I'm sorry. A time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear apart and a time to sew together, a time to be silent, a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. 
I think these last three verses are self-explanatory, but I'll try to wrap it up here for you. You'll lose something this year, but you'll also find something because you look for it. I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's a ring or if it's a friend. You'll put something away for safekeeping, but this will... But this year, you'll throw something away as well. Some of you need to clean up the garage. Some of you need to clean up your life. There'll be a time to tear down, to challenge or rebuke so that a relationship will be better once it's sewn together again. Best relationships may be the ones who get over the conflict. They may be the tightest. You have an opportunity this year to speak up. But you'll also be given the opportunity just to stay quiet. And that may be the best for that situation. And usually is. There'll be times to love what God loves this year and to hate what he hates. And yes, war will happen this year until the Prince of Peace comes back. There will always be war. He's the one that's going to settle everything. You say, I don't want war. It's going to happen. But here's what I can tell you. There's a time for peace. There can be peace between nations. There can be peace between people. And I mean people that are right around you, maybe even in your same house. There's a time for that. Situations and circumstances are going to happen in 2016. I'm no prophet, but trust me on this one. They're coming. And you don't know what they are. And I don't either. But as these things take place in our lives, number two, how we handle them is what makes a difference in our lives. These things are going to happen, but how we handle them is what makes a difference. William Garrett says this. He said, everything happens, listen, when it must happen. Our choice is how we respond to these inevitabilities. Man can either go with it or be crushed by it. I don't pretend to know everything you've gone through in your life. And I don't ask you to know what's going on in mine. But one of the things that he says in the first two chapters of this book, repeat it in your head. There's nothing new under the sun. You're not the first person who's had to take on this illness or this circumstance or this event. Nothing new under the sun. Everything happens when it must. Our choice is how we respond. What a great perspective. We can either go with it or we can be crushed by it. I mean, listen, there's a reason to grieve. Humans should. Humans should be hurt. Humans can be sad. But listen to me. And, and listen, it, I know this is 11 o'clock service and y'all don't talk to me much, but I want you to talk here, okay? You can be hurt and you can be sad. And you should. It's okay. Our Lord hurt when his best friend passed away. It's like the way he made us. But you don't have to stay that way. Thank you. You don't have to stay there. In 2016, if you bring what you had then here, it'll be the exact same person. Romans 8.28 says this. God causes all things. What things? All things. Good, bad, ugly, difficult, hard to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And all the Christians say, Amen. 
But don't ever forget the next verse. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. You say, Tom, why is all this happening? So that you can be more like him. So you can think the way that he thinks. You want to know why all the things happened last year and all the things are going to happen this year? Because God wanted you in a place that you'd never be without that. You say, Tom, explain it. I can't. I don't have the answer. I just know what the book says. And if I believe he died on the cross, I believe what he said here. Because if if I don't believe this, then I can't believe what he did for me. God uses what life brings us to conform us to be like him. He takes what the devil meant for evil and he uses it for good. And the question is, will you let him do that this year? Will you allow him to conform you to the image of his son? Will you think like he thinks? Andrew Murray said this. He said, God desires to renew us in his image. And there is no other way. Listen, there's no other way to do this than to make his desires and attitudes our own. So that we may become more like him. How do we handle what life brings is what makes the difference in our lives. Will you go with what life will bring you or will you be crushed by it? And listen, I'm sensitive to this. Things can crush us. But we have to make a determination. They don't have to. Because things are coming that we know nothing about. But he knows it all. At the end of the book, Solomon sees life a little bit differently. or It, 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 it looks that way. I told you the first two chapters, he doesn't mention God at all. But look what he says in chapter 12, verse 13. At the end of the book, Solomon writes this. He says, the conclusion. In other words, here it is. I wrote the whole book. Bob, I'm telling you, here's it. If you want everything together, this is it. After everything I've said, I've done what I wanted. I've had all I I could. I've I've gotten, I've amassed. I'm powerful. But he says this, the conclusion. When all has been heard is this, fear God and keep his commandments. Look at this part. I love this. Because this applies to every person. You say, Tom, that's not for me. That's not what God said. God said this applies to every human being that has ever existed or will ever exist. This goes for all of us. If you want to know the two things that are going to get you through life, it's fearing God and keeping his commandments. That's way different from not mentioning God at all. Fear God. Keep his commandments. At the end of his life, the man who wrote these scriptures says this. You can do whatever you like. But if you don't do these two things, you'll end up at the conclusion of your life that I ended up with. Uh Uh-oh. I wasted my life. You see, placing our faith in God as things take place in our lives, is the correct response. God, I trust you. All that I have is time. All you've given me is time. I believe in you with all that I am. I don't know why this happened. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know this. No matter what it is, I'm placing faith, trust, belief in you because you know what you're doing. Because you said all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Because you want to conform me to the image of Jesus. Man, how we kick against what God wants for us. 
You say, Tom, other people's life looks easy. I've been on Facebook. I'm telling you, you go on Facebook, you get depressed. Everybody's eating everywhere, and their families are getting along, all of them. Man, look, he got a new iPad. They're not putting the junk on there, most of them. They're just like you. They're just like you. Every person has to decide, what am I going to do with God? You see, the, 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 the truth is, everybody's going through something. And, and one pastor said one time, he said, everybody's either gone through something, they're, they're in the middle of going through it, or they're headed toward it. But everybody's in a struggle. Everybody's in a storm. But have you ever wondered when you see people, even though they're going through a, a very difficult, terrible time in their life, it's as if they should be more unhappy than they are? Or they should have less peace than they have, but what it looks like is that God has it together for them and they got peace and they act like they understand. Why? How could this be? Well, there are people who understand that life is fleeting. We can waste our days. We can add to those percentages in the miscellaneous part when we waste our days worrying about things that will never happen. There are some things, though, that we know. Listen, these people who understand that time is fleeting, they understand that what they choose to do with the time they have, that they can control and how they choose to react to the things they cannot control, both are okay. They're both okay. You don't have to control everything, you top A people. My wife will be here tonight pointing at me. They don't let it crush them. It's as though they are going with it, if you will. So what they are doing is waiting on God to do with them what he wants to do. They are trusting God. And that's what God asks of us. Trust me. I don't know why it is you're going through the thing, but here's what I know. God does, and he's got a reason. Just go with it. You don't even have to say you understand it. It's okay to say I don't. It's okay. But he does. They're not swimming against the flow. They're, not, they're waiting on him. They're following his lead. They're not independent from God. They are dependent on him, these people. They're not fretful when life deals terrible situations. They know this life is not final when death comes. While they may mourn, they're hopeful. While they may cry, they're confident. While they suffer now, they lean on God as he loves on them. Dwayne Garrett said, no one can be happy who has not come to grips with the reality that life is full of changes and sorrows as well as continuity and joy. We must accept what, that we are mortal and governed by time. And then Mark Waters said it best probably. Listen to this. Nothing in the world apart from God can satisfy the human heart. You're not going to buy enough electronics to make yourself happy. Another marriage won't do it. A different one. A different job won't, because you'll take you with you. Only God can satisfy the hole that's in your heart that only He has the shape of. Only He can do that. So 2016's here. Nobody's going to argue that. But what will be different this year than last year? What will be different this year than the last five years or 10 years or 30 years? What's going to be different? What will you do with the time that you have? What are you going to do with it? 
God does not condemn, Robert Jameson said, God does not condemn but approves of the use of earthly blessings. It is the abuse that he condemns, the making them the chief end. What God has given us for blessings, we use them wrongly. And, 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 and we need to look back at our lives in 2016 and say, what am I going to do? Why is this true about me? Well, because nothing in the world apart from God can satisfy the human heart. You tried to fill it with all kinds of other stuff. Listen, I did too. I want you to hear me out, okay? There's not a person in this room that doesn't know what it's like not to be a non-follower of God. In other words, everybody at one time didn't know God. You say, Tom, I was born in a Christian home. Wonderful. <laughs> You're not a Christian because you were. I wasn't either. I had a pastor who told me one time, he said, kittens are born in bread baskets every day, but that doesn't make them bread. Nothing in this world will satisfy your heart apart from God. Happiness is not possible without God. It's so temporary. So temporary. So what have you been focusing on this year? What are you going to focus on this next year? You're going to focus on the bad things in life instead of trusting God? I don't mean for you to go home today and try to figure out what's going to go on. I don't mean for you to go home today and worry about what's going to happen. All I'm saying is, is get prepared. Know that if, whether it's good or bad, God's got it. And it's okay. In fact, it's not just okay. It's what he has for you. Have you been using the time as God given you the right way? Has, has, like this 86,400 seconds in every day, how have you been using that? How are you going to use it? How will you use it differently this year? How have you been in control of your life? And now you're going to let it go. Is that you? What are you holding on to that you need to let go of? How will you build your relationship with Jesus differently this year? Maybe this year. You need to give your life to Christ for the very first time. Not again and again and again. If you did it once, you got it. He's there. Just appropriate him. But maybe you've never given your life to Christ. I don't know of anything you can do better this year, Jerry, than that. Not one thing is better than taking him in because true happiness is found in him. Do you need the forgiveness that God gives today? You know, I don't know how 2016 is going to be different. But I know this, we're going to give you opportunities to do it differently. Last week, Pastor Brian, when he taught, he talked about forgiving and releasing and blessing if you were here. Do you remember that? Maybe you didn't do that last week. you got to do that. Listen, it'll eat up your life. Bitterness. Regret. Let it go. Love them. We're going to give you things that you just heard on the announcement just a moment ago. We talked about the prayer night that's going to come up this Tuesday night. And some of you are like, Oh, Lord. Another day at the church. Listen. Sadly, we don't have to have three services for prayer. Sadly. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just stating facts, folks. We're going to give you opportunities, though. Be a part of it. Be a part of it. 
the next 11, 10, 11, 12 weeks, we're going to go through Easter and we're going to talk about the life of Jesus follower. We're going to give you some, some ways to st- strategically do some things to help grow you, you and your relationship with the Lord. Take advantage of them. I, I know some of you may just come once a month or t- twice a month or whatever the schedule is. And, but here's what I want to tell you. I dare you. Come all of them. Like you want your life to be different than it was last year? Let us help you. We won't be the total answer, but we can give you some, some pointers. We can help you. We can guide you. So take those things in. we got the Life Center set up out in the courtyard as soon as this is over. You saw the, the video on the welcome time. Listen, I don't know what you're going through. Listen, I, I'll promise you this. If you spend money like you did last year, you're going to be in the same situation you are this year. we got financial peace that's going to be starting. we got we got grief share. You, listen, you lost a loved one. Let's, let's see how to grieve biblically and not stay in that mode forever. Some awesome people who lead that, who, who've lost loved ones and have seen God do stuff in their own lives. we got uh, other things, too. We have divorce care. We have, uh, help me out here, uh, Life Center, uh, the, uh, Celebrate Recovery. we got the singles ministry going on. Listen, there's all kinds of opportunities, but you got to take advantage of it. I can place you there, but I already know in small groups I place you and you don't go sometimes, so I can't make you go. But what are you going to do with 86,000? Because it'll be come and it'll come and it'll go. What are you going to do differently?